And welcome everybody to NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. And it's good to have everybody along. We are, I don't want to brag, but when you can, you have to. So not only are we the host of NWCZ Radio, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole, and also featured on Fringe Radio Network, we are now huge stars, like featured stars on a Netflix series. I had no idea about it. Eagle Eye Johnny over there at Friends Radio Network sent me an email and said, dude, do you realize that you're like prominently featured on this Netflix series about D.B. Cooper? That you're, The podcast is like all over this thing. And I said, I had no idea because I don't have Netflix. So he sent me a video of it and it was unbelievable. There we were on the screen. Yes. You and me, Brandon. We're there. We're there. But what I did, I, I do have Netflix, so I did go watch it. I mean, he he is definitely eagle-eyed because he had to have paused it because we, we're there. We are there, but it just scrolls right past the screen really quick. So, but we're there. We are on the Netflix show, but it just screen just fast. So, well, way to pop my balloon. Thank you so much. Sorry, just, just trying to keep it real. That's what we do here. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Johnny and I got to give Johnny props man because Johnny emailed me and he was like hey this is all because of us over here at Friends Radio Network that you guys are on the series and I was like cool I had no idea because I don't watch Netflix and I didn't even know there was a series on D.B. Cooper and he's like oh yeah you're on there man and so he sent a video of it and the video was so short, and we blew by so fast, I had to watch it five times. Yeah. Because <laughs> all it is, don't go looking for it, everybody, because we're, we're completely joking. Yeah. Apparently, season one, episode three, it's called something like, like Jesus in the Toast, right? Something like that, and it's 17 minutes in. I mean, it's... And I will tell you this, I watched the whole thing just to see what it was about. And I will tell you right now, it's there's no new information. I still stick to exactly what we said when we did this D.B. Cooper, Dan Cooper, not D.B., Dan Cooper, exactly. right. in April of 2020, that he planted himself in the side of the mountain. So I still stick to that. Anyway, I don't even know what the context was, but apparently they're just scrolling. I, I assume there's saying, hey, it's, he's still relevant because look at all these people who are talking about it, and they just scroll through this page of podcasts, and we zip right on by. Yeah, so. yeah and we do. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, it's there. We, we are there. So, And I mean, those that follow, us on, follow me on Instagram, I did post a picture of it to say, hey, look, here we are. But I mean, it's kind of one of those, like I said, I mean, it's when he first said it, I'm like, that's freaking amazing. And then I watch it, and I'm like, oh. Not I mean, amazing cool. at all. No, it, it, I mean, it is amazing that we're there. I mean, we're there for a second. So, I mean, maybe subliminally people, you know, subliminal or whatever it is, people will like be like, oh, hey, let's go check these guys out. But well, I'll tell you why we're there. The reason the reason that we're there is because they went on to probably Apple podcast or Spotify or whatever, and they typed in DB Cooper into the podcast. And because of our listeners, Yes. Because people listen to this program, it was there as as it scrolls on by as a podcast that's obviously up the up the charts or up the ranks or whatever. Like it's there because people enough people have listened to it to where it has made some sort of mark, I guess. Yeah, because we have a listenership that loves us and comes out and want, listens to these things all the time. So, well, we love them too. But we do, we do. So, anyway, like I said, I did I did watch it and I it did not change my view at all. So and I even went back and listened to our episode just to remember. I'm like, make sure I remember what I think I remember. And yeah, no, it's I still believe fully that he just planted himself on the side of Mount St. Helens. So, well, and this is how terrible we are. When I put our last episode, so not your midweek podcast, the last week's episode that we did, mm -hmm. apparently was our 200th episode. Really. I had no idea. It was when I when I dropped it in. We don't put a season or a number on our episodes. We just throw them out there. Yeah. And when it came up, when I got a notification that oh hey a new episode dropped, it was episode two hundred. <laughs> well, yeah, that's awesome. We've done two hundred episodes. 
Yeah, so, we can still talk to each other. So that's amazing as well. That is, that is. So, and then I did do the, you saw the midweek, I did the, the second edition of Branch Davidians. And I, I think that's probably one of the most heated episodes I've ever done. By the time I was over, I think, I'm pretty sure if I was not on any like government watch list, I am now. Oh, there's no doubt. After everything I said in that episode, I'm pretty sure I, if I, if, which I'm already pretty sure I'm on one, but I'm pretty sure now I'm definitely on one. So I pretty much said the FBI and ATF were a bunch of dipshits. So well, they ain't seen nothing yet because we're still coming for them. There's, we got a oh, yeah. lot, lot more down that rabbit hole for sure. Oh. It's uh, the more I went down it, I, we went down it a little bit, you know, for, but most of what we talked about was the, what led up to it. And I went down and really talked about the actual siege. And I was just like, the more I read and the more lies I saw from the ATF, cause I actually went off their, their scripted take on it. And it just pissed me off the whole time. So, yeah, no doubt. So I know we've gotten a ton of email, a lot of email from people yes. who were really, really enjoying the Illuminati family shows that we did. We did four of them. And I just want to let everybody know that we will be getting back to those. We'll, yes. we'll do another four-part Illuminati family uh, mini-series here probably in a couple of weeks or so because we didn't want to do all of them because we'd be doing like three straight months of just Illuminati families and that would burn you out. It would burn us out. And so we're in kind of a little break. But we haven't dropped it. We're, we will definitely be getting back to the Illuminati family. So have no fear. Definitely getting back to those because it's fascinating. But like, you know, Big D said, we're, we'll get burned out. And it gets really when you're focusing on something and you get so deep into something like that, you end up getting burned out on it. So sometimes we have to take a step back, do something like this, what we're doing today and maybe a couple others to, you know, and then we'll step right back into them and get some of the other ones. Well, and also when you start doing back to back to back on these families a lot of times the families there's a lot of similarities and they're because they're illuminati family supposedly and because they're super powerful rich and wealthy mm -hmm. and i you just didn't want to become a broken record not all of them have you know salacious past or you know, all kind of trouble and some of them are really hard to do any research on so that was one of the reasons we're like well let's just take a break and we'll get back to these guys but we will cover them all all i think it's 16 i believe there's 16 yeah. supposed families of the illuminati and we're, we're going to get to all of them yeah we're going to talk about all of them so that brings us to today's episode and we thank you very much for tuning in we really really appreciate the fact that you spend time with us because we know that there are millions of options between streaming between podcasts between movies whatever else you're doing i mean it's we're all busy and the fact that you actually take some time to listen we really really appreciate it and that you write in you can always email us at down the rh at protonmail.com and that's where we find ourselves today we got an email we've actually received two from this listener i'm not going to name him or her but I'm going to read the email, and this is going to be what we're going to talk about today. The email came in. It says, I really enjoy listening to your podcast and was wondering if you would consider making an episode on the year 2012. Personally, in my lifetime, I noticed a shift in society around 2012. The years that followed didn't feel the same as years prior. I feel social media was starting to get much more popular and, in effect, change people's opinions and attitudes. However, the change in 2012 felt subtle as Blackberries were still very popular and the smartphone hadn't become completely mainstream. Fast forward to 2016, I think another shift happened where political correctness and general quote, woke culture exploded seemingly out of nowhere. Finally, 2020 was the biggest shift. As you'll agree, life has, hasn't been the same since. And he says, I feel the topic is similar in nature to the Fourth Turning podcast that you made, but in a much shorter time frame. Thanks, and keep up the great work. And I thought this was a fascinating email, and we've had it for, I don't know, for a little while, maybe it came in in July. Yeah. And normally I respond right away, but I thought this was such an interesting email. I told this person, hey, we're actually going to do, we'll do a show on this, and we will dive into this, and hopefully we'll answer your questions or you'll have more questions or, but it is, it's an astute observation. And that's what I love about our listeners. This is a guy 
or a person, I don't even know if it's a guy. This is a person who noticed that between 12 and 20, sort of in a microcosm, these like three major shifts, and he believes or they believe, whoever this person is, believes that it started in 2012. So I thought, let's go back to 2012 and see what was going on. Yeah. And see if we can make some sort of connections between 12, 16, and 20. We all know what happened in 20. I don't think we have to cover that too much. No. And I will say this. 2016 is really hard to nail down because, as everybody knows, that was when Donald Trump was elected. And that that basically overshadowed everything. Anything that was going on in the world... Try to look up now like 2016 conspiracy theories or top theories about 2016. It's all about the election, all about Donald Trump, all of it. So it took quite a big bit of digging. Yeah, it's to, very much about, yeah. Yeah, to knuckle down on 16. I did find some stuff. I'll, I will present it. But I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is 2012 because for those of you who weren't really aware for those of you who were have just come into this sort of knowledge of like what's going on in the world, there were a lot of weird things that went on in 2012, and there's some crazy theories about what happened in 2012, mm-hmm. about what 2012 signified, and we're going to try to get into uh, as much as we can. So I'll let you start. 2012, what, what fascinated you? What did you find? Um, a lot of it was is um, really doing the research. I found a lot of episodes that we've done in the past actually corresponded to a lot of these theories. The whole Mandela effect um, is believed by many. The reason why we have the Mandela effect is because our world ended in 2012 and we are in another one. We're in another side universe so some things just don't quite match up. And part of it, too, is CERN, that they think also that CERN caused the world to end, but in some way was able to shift us or either caused our world to end and shifted us into another reality. And that's why, you know, things are a little different, like, you know, Kit Kat, um, all that kind of stuff that, the, you know, a bunch of stuff that we don't remember different ways. Yeah, we did an entire episode on the Mandela effect and... Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things since then that I found that I believe fall into the whole Mandela effect thing. I was reading an article about this guy who believes like that 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 theory that in 2012 the uh, Hadron Collider opened up a wormhole. It was it was the first time they fired that thing off. Yeah, by the way. And supposedly there's a scientist who under anonymity, went on to like 4chan or or Reddit or one of those. Yeah, and, I kept thinking, I kept reading in 4chan and and confirmed that yes, they did open up this alternate universe and that what we were in no longer exists and we've all been shifted. Yeah, and they were also talking about this the Mandela effect. And one of the things I didn't realize is that the Statue of Liberty is not on Ellis Island. No, Ellis Island is a viewing point. Yeah, it's on Liberty Island. But but if you go back and you look in history and you look, you read stuff and you the there was a there's a big long thread post of ancient well, I shouldn't say ancient, but early books, early photos, the guy who built it, talking about it and all this stuff, all of them say Ellis Island. They do. And I'll be honest, until I was doing the research on this, I, if you would have asked me where the Statue of Liberty was, I would have told you it was on Ellis Island. I would have too. That's where everybody came in. They talk, you know, you read all the accounts of the immigrants coming over from Europe who arrived on our shores and they arrived, they, the Statue of Liberty and they arrived on Ellis Island and they processed them and on and on and on. The two could have got easily conflated. Yeah. But... I thought that was interesting because if you had asked me, where is the Statue of Liberty? Obviously, New York, but what, where is it sitting? I would have said Ellis Island. And I've been there. 
I, I've been to New York City. I've gone to the Statue of Liberty, and so I didn't realize it was Liberty Island. I didn't, yeah, until I started doing this, that was the big one because there was a lot of things. One of the Nelson uh, uh, Mandela effects that we didn't talk about, there was apparently a lot of people believe that at some point bef- you could, which there is actually at one point you could go into other parts of the statue that you can't now. That is true. Yeah, you can go all the way um, up to the top, up to the little, you know, the. Yes. Her and people hat. are like, oh, I've seen pictures from people up there. So we could. And it's like, no, there's actually like cameras up there that they they put on a website. And that's true. where most of those pictures are coming from. But the other thing that got me to was when he was talking about the Mandela effect is Black Tom Island. I kept hearing Black Tom Island. I'm like, what the hell is Black Tom Island? Yeah, I don't ever heard of it. What is it? You've never heard of it either? No. So I had to look this up. It was an island. And I think it actually still is kind of there. It was a island made out of landfill that was next to the Statue of Liberty. And Black Tom Island, there was an explosion on July 3rd, 30th, 1916, when about 2 million pounds of small arms and artillery ammunition were started at the depot on freight cars and on barges, including 100,000 pounds of TNT on Johnson Barge number 17, all were waiting to be shipped to Russia, Jersey City's Commissioner of Public Safety, Frank Gregg, later said. So when they blew up, they were tied up at Black Tom Island. After midnight, a series of small fires were discovered on the pier. Some guards fled, fearing an explosion. Others attempted to fight the fires, eventually called the New Jersey Police Department or Fire Department at 208. The first and largest of the explosions took place. The second and small explosion occurring around 240. Um, there was damage to the Statue of Liberty. Fragments from the explosion traveled long distance. Some lodged into the Statue of Liberty. And other fragments lodged in the clock tower of the New Jersey Journal building. That were over a mile away. I mean, I, I suppose if I grew up there or whatever, and I had to learn New York history, I would have known about it, but I've never heard of it. This is considered the biggest non-nuclear unnatural explosion. Well, I never heard of it. And we've never heard of it. No, not till just now. And a lot of the reason why we can't go into those certain parts of the Statue of Liberty is because of the damage from this explosion. I've always heard because she was old, it was structural. And then, of course, you know, when COVID hit, nobody could go in. I never heard that it was due to an explosion from yeah, a nearby a lot, island. There used to be that they could go all the way up. But after this explosion, people were not supposed there, there was parts that, that were damaged that were never fixed. To a in point 1916? That, that, 1916. Because I remember as a kid, friends who went to New York and said they went up to the top of the Statue of Liberty. I guess they were only going it up is. so far. Yeah, and see, that's where the, that's where another one of those Nelson Mandela comes in, where everyone's like, the Mandela effects. Everyone's like, oh, well, people remember. But I think they you can go up to, I think, the, her crown. Yes. But you used to be able to go. There was more that you could go down under the skirt, and there was more that you could go. You could go all the way up to the torch. Hmm. Well, so. also going along with that, the Hedron Collider, the whole CERN thing, and then us being in an alternate universe. Another thing happened in 2012 that kind of goes right into that is on December 21st, 2012, according to the Mayan calendar, everything ended. Yeah. According to this, this guy, he says that during the whole year, 2012, we went from an era of 13 periods of one year to an area of 13 periods of 20 days. And lots of stuff has been happening during that year. On December 8th, 2012, we moved into an era of 13 periods of one day. And then he tells you how you can, how that can explain it. And that ever since December 8th, everything has gone kind of upside down. Now the guy who, this guy who is saying this, his name is Terrence McKenna. And he talks about time wave zero that happened on December 21st, 2012. And he was kind of like this, for lack of a better term, kind of a new age guy, because he talks a lot about singularity, ascension, going out into the jungle and doing drugs, studying the Mayan calendar. And when I say drugs, I mean like DMT and all kind of crazy stuff. He talks about interconnectedness and the singularity of infinite complexity. But the, but the bottom line is, is that he kind of mixed, and he's a really smart guy. There's no doubt about that. So he mixed the I Ching with the 13th Bacton of the Mayan calendar. And then he came up with this hypothesis that the two dates 
matched, and that date was December 21st, 2012, which also matches up with about the same time that they blew off the Hedron Collider, which happens mm-hmm. about the same time that everybody started going, nothing really seems to be the same. And like 2012, everyone just sort of had a mind meltdown. And so that could be part of it because a lot of weird things did start happening. And then uh, also I found this, the 2012 global mind shift consciousness change at the end of the Mayan fifth age. And it's a whole article According to my encounter, we're already in a period of time leading to the close of the fifth world age. According to the evidence of your senses, we are clearly living in a time of profound global change. Forgetting for a moment all the apocalyptic hysteria, what we might expect from this shift, a world age shift doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's kind of what our emailer was talking about here. Seems like there was a massive shift in 12. Like it kind of kicked something off. Yes. Like it's something started. It was like the, a wave. It's, I don't know. The best way that I can think of it is a, is a pond. You throw a rock in and it hits. And that wave starts to radiate out. You know, there's an initial big, but then the waves keep going and they, they, they keep affecting things as they go. And I think that's 2012 was the rock hitting the pond. And we're still feeling the effects of those waves as it goes out. And that shift happens. Right. So I started to look around and see, okay, uh, like what was going on? Kind of like, is there anything specific to 2012 that pointed to weird things going on other than us just going, hey, it seems it all seems really weird here. And Honestly, I didn't find a lot. I found things between 12 and 16 because according to all these calendars, the shift really happened at the end of 12. Yes. And he's right. This does correlate with the fourth turning. If you listen to our episode on the fourth turning or if you've read the book, The Fourth Turning, this is around the the turn of the fourth turn. There's four turns and this 2012 is right in the wheelhouse of the fourth turn, which is the fourth turning. You listen to the episode, read the book, massive chaos, all kind of problems pushing towards the renewal of the first turn, which is a whole brand new societal contract. And I don't need to go into all that, but 2012 does seem to have been the spark for the more modern, you know, last round of the four turnings and, or maybe we're not even, we're not even here. We don't know. I I think we're in the middle of the fourth turning. I think we're in the middle. I think 12 was the beginning of the shift out of the third into the fourth. And I think we're right in the middle of the fourth right now. And I think we got a little bit more chaos to go before we start going into back into the first. So according to this article, this is from Pop Dust, which I'd never heard of before. But it says, this haunts me. Did scientists at CERN end the world in 2012? It says people were convinced that the world was going to end. The Mayan calendar had predicted that we were all going down. Uh, protesters, timeline travelers continued to decry the dangers of CERN and where they were talking about, you know, taking apart the building blocks. And apparently there's this guy who believes that the world did end. And he has all this kind of, uh, he's got a whole thread of kind of proof. And a lot of people are jumping on board. And this, he started this, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago. Was that the Nick Hinton? Yes. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of good stuff. I I watched the whole... uh it's probably about a 20 minute video with him talking about everything. So he's much better writing than he is talking. I will say that. Yeah. I've never, I haven't watched any of his stuff. I'm much more of a reader, but he has some good questions like this one. Uh, this was July 25th, 2019. Well, what would happen if we destroyed the universe? Would we know maybe CERN accidentally created a black hole that sucked us in without us even knowing it. And we've just been living in it. Some physicists actually believe this is possible that we are living in a black hole. Yeah. He also says the there's some sort of calamity happening almost daily. 
mass shootings only stay in the headlines for like 12 hours now. Did we all die and go to hell? I don't really believe that, but some people do. Maybe we're in a similar situation to the characters in The Good Place. I've never seen that show. I don't know what that is. He also talks about the Mandela effect. Anyway, lots of different interesting stuff. I think he's got he's onto something. I don't think he quite nails it. I think he's close. I think he's 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 scratching the surface. I mean, it's one of those things where he he really does focus on CERN and the Higgs boson. Because um, I mean, even Stephen Hawking said that what they were searching for could cause the universe to undergo a catastrophic vacuum decay. Which maybe that's what we're feeling. We're feeling things are different because all the you know we're we're remembering things from other versus other other realities because there's a vacuum decay coming through because we busted the the you know the universe and now it's all vacuuming in on itself the other thing that i thought was interesting is this nick hinton and again i don't know anything about him but he pointed to things like montauk which we've talked about quite a bit mm-hmm. also there's this theory floating around that we've reached the end of history and the end of history is a philosophical idea that's been talked about And so we're at the end of history, and because we're at the end of history, chaos ensues because there's no more, there's nothing to write. The world has done it all, gone through it all for the most part, is what he's saying. I'm not buying that, but it's an interesting theory. But I think it all goes to the fact that, yes, I I do believe that in 2012, some some weird shift, change happened. Uh, I noticed in the this guy's uh, this person's email, they said that you know in in 2016 another shift shift happened where political correctness and general quote woke culture exploded seemingly out of nowhere, and it does I will agree it did appear that way, but the groundwork was laid for that. We just weren't noticing it because it was it's called the slow march through the institutions. Mm-hmm. This is a Marcusean thing. This is um, Saul Alinsky's Rule for Radicals. This is a Marxist theory. What you do is you march slowly through the institutions. You take over small spaces like little bitty cells here, there, and everywhere. And then pretty soon when you feel you have enough of them, you make a huge move. And 2016 was that first move. And now we're seeing the second, right now in 2022, we're seeing the second push of that because you know you live in Seattle there are marxists on the Seattle City Council who will tell you yes i'm a marxist yeah i'm here to destroy everything amazon the city i'm t- we're tearing it all down all of it and we're going to rebuild it in a marxist utopia they tell you that yeah they 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 have no problem telling you that they're marxist it's like when we talked about black lives matters the two people that started it Flat out will tell you they are Marxists and they believe in Marxist, a Marxist society. I mean, it's it's there. Also, another thing that I found interesting in 2012, do you remember the Occupy movement? Yes. So the Occupy movement, which basically started in like the, at the end of 2011, carried over and was kind of reached its peak apex in the early parts of 2012, which I believe set a tone. For those of you who don't remember the Occupy movement, it really started off as just, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but I, so I'm going to kind of generalize it. There were a bunch of college-age kids, a bunch of techie guys who were upset with Wall Street because they felt they the game was rigged, which it is, and they had had enough. And so they were going to go occupy Wall Street because they were tired of getting shut out. These were... People who had been part of the the dot-com bubble that blew up, they lost all their money, they lost all their savings. They, they A lot of them had put their parents' money into these dot-com companies. They blew up, their disillusion, and they took it out on Wall Street. And then it started with just a few people down there. They got shooed away, and of course, that created some martyrs. Then everybody showed up, and pretty soon it was everywhere. Everybody was occupying something. Yeah. It's, it started with Occupy Wall Street. I mean, up there where you live, when I was living in Tacoma, they were occupying a city park. 
Nobody knew why. It didn't even last very long because they really had no goals. They're just it was just, hey, let's all go protest. We haven't done it in a while, so we're going to go occupy the park. The demands had nothing to do with Wall Street or the banks or anything, which is why this movement kind of fell apart. They just needed something to do. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They, need, they needed something to do. But I think the Occupy one really, though, moves into some of the ones like Black Lives Matter, where they saw the failures of the Occupy. Yes. Which the WTO was before that. They saw the failures of both of those where they weren't organized enough. So they got more organized with the next one, which did a lot more damage. Should have been a huge help in certain areas, but because of the, the, you know, the violence, it just did more damage. Yeah. So I think you, that was the beginning of 12. You know, we all went, kind of went through it and everything, everybody was feeling a little uneasy. And then at the end of 12, when it when the shift happened and we went into 13 and everybody felt the off kilter but not enough to really point to anything i think there was a delayed response well i think there was because everyone was expecting I, I think part of what it does is comes down to like hype too people were expecting either nothing to happen on december 21st 2012 or they were expecting like i mean there, there's a whole movie made about what was supposed to happen how it was supposed to be armageddon it was supposed to be the end days that what we think of in you know the the end of the bible i mean in revelations this it was supposed to be revelations was supposed to start on december 21st 2012 some people believe it did if you read revelation it talks about all the horrific things that are happening and everybody assumes that it's like bing bang boom it happens like mm -mm. right in a row that's not necessarily true yeah, which goes back to the whole thing when we talk about carbon dating in the Bible where it says that the, the earth was made in seven days. Was that right. our seven days or God's seven days? There's nothing that says his seven days might be 10, 20,000 years. Exactly, because God didn't hand down the calendar to, to Moses no. as part of the Ten Commandments. That was The calendar was made up much later by the Romans, pretty much, no. and others, but everybody started with the calendar because they were like, what day is it? I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah. What time so is it, it? I have no idea. No clue. So it's one of those things that, you know, I mean, it, it really is all perception. Because like I was saying, you know, earlier with that, you know, the Tom, the the Black Tom, which this is something I think we should actually look more into. Because the more I've like looked at this, this was actually an act of terrorism by the Germans. Yeah, we'll have to definitely look into it sometimes. So it's like, wait a minute, this was considered before Pearl Harbor, one of the biggest acts of terrorism against the U.S., did you have anything else to add to 2012? Not really. I mean, a lot of it was just the, the fascination of everything that happened. But like I said, it really just comes down to, you know, both of us have been saying it's just a shift. There was a shift in, but why that shift happened, I don't know. And that's the weirdest thing. Is it just a, the natural shift of the fourth turning? Or did CERN actually open up a, a, a hole? And now we're, you know, one you know, one universe is gone and the now we're remembering things from that universe that's gone. Are we part of that universe that's gone and we just don't know we're dying yet? And if the, let's say, our political leaders or the elite or the Illuminati or whoever's running the show at the top knew this, do you think they would tell us? No. Of course not. If you point it out, then you're immediately crazy. Yeah. You're nuts. Don't listen to them. We're going to cancel you. It's, you know, it's fake news or whatever. So if we are in some alternate universe and if we are running some parallel universe, it's going to take some pretty rock solid evidence yeah, to prove that. But that doesn't discount or dismiss anybody who feels that something happened in, in 2012 that shifted things. And we've been living different since. Yeah. No, I mean, but the problem we're going to run into, too, is I mean, we've seen it in society. If you throw evidence at, at people and it doesn't match what they think should be happening, they don't care. All right. Well, let's move to 2016 because I did get quite a bit. I think some really interesting things that went on in 2016, which I believe plays off of the 2012. Yes. And I did look at. 13, 14, 15, and there's some interesting stuff there, but just to stay on topic with what this emailer wrote, he noticed another kind of weird shift in 16. And so I'm going to take a look at a few things. So I looked at, at the Pew Research Center, 
and the 10 demographic trends shaping the U.S. and the world in, in 2016, I think this is kind of telling. One is, was the changing face of America. Americans are, are more racially and ethnically diverse than in the past. The U.S. is projected to be even more diverse in the coming decades. So that's the number one difference. Number two, Asia has replaced Latin America, including Mexico, as the biggest source of new immigrants to the U.S., this is again in 2016. Number three, of course, with that, voters are more diverse. Number four, millennials, young adults born, born from 1981 to 1996, are the new generation to watch. This was number four. They're the most racially diverse adult generation. By 2019, they will surpass baby boomers as the largest adult generation. And at this time, they said millennials were upbeat about their financial future, which I, I would say they're not so much so now. Number five, women's role in the labor force and leadership positions growing dramatically. Number six, two-parent households are in massive decline. Number seven, the share of Americans who live in the middle-class household is shrinking. That's in 2016. It says the share of U.S. adults living in middle-income households fell to 50% in 2015 after more than four decades in which those households served as the, as the nation's economic majority. So when we talk about how the World Economic Forum, the Bilderberg Group, all these guys are trying to kill the middle class in the United States, yes, it's absolutely true. Also, number eight, Christians are declining as a share of the U.S. population. Number nine, the world's religious makeup will look a lot different by... Here's the magic number, 2050. Always throwing those numbers in there. And then they talk about the world aging. I also found this interesting, that in 2016 was a major move for Black Lives Matter. They had basically flown under the radar. Nobody really knew who they were. They did protest in 2014, the killing of Michael Brown, but nobody really knew what it was about. They just thought it was a slogan. It was, didn't really catch at all. And then they hired a bunch of people and shifted to economic issues. That's when they started making their move. And they caused a lot of problems in Chicago. And they started forcing, uh, or enforcing their views about policing, prison, and poverty. And as we saw when we had the, what was that, the 2020 riots? Mm -hmm. when they started dropping banners that said defund the police a lot caught a lot of people off off guard like what are they talking about nobody had heard this well they started in 2016 they started the grassroots movement on this and so that rolls right into what was going on in 2020 also yeah. 2016 because i'm like well what was going on with our good friends at davos and all this stuff. Well, here's a headline from the Burning Platform. The shift to a cashless society is snowballing. May 19th, 2016. Mm -hmm. So that was really, I mean, they had kind of been talking about it, but in 2016, they started the big shift to these cashless society to it's starting to set up this narrative that we're seeing pretty much being brought into play right now. Well, and I think 2016 started it, 2020 helped it. You know, when all of a sudden you have everyone, oh, hey, I don't want to get a virus. Please don't hand me anything. Well, you're not going to have cash. Nobody wants to hand you. No one wants to take cash because, oh, my God, the germs that must be on it. There's been germs on cash forever. I'm sure there's still cocaine on every freaking bill you use. I think but, they say that every $20 bill in circulation has traces of coke on it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I mean, all of these things, there's always been germs on them, but now all of a sudden it, it's out in the world that everyone believes. I mean, just today I went to the store and still see people wearing masks. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, people are afraid to take cash. I mean, there's, there's certain places that I've been to, oh, we don't take cash because, you know, then. Right. So there can, like when we, when all of this first started, mm -hmm. and when we started our podcast, we labeled this the great conditioning, that whole yeah. Lockdown, don't touch anything, wear a mask, be compliant. Those people have been conditioned. Mm -hmm. 2020 they, just kicked it along. Right. 
A lot of people don't remember this. I'm curious if you do. This happened in, two, in 2016. I completely forgot about this, but I think it does add to the narrative. Do you remember all the creepy clown sightings? Mm-hmm. I, I do, mainly, and this is funny on why I do, because at that time I was on Puddin's show, and I did a bit where I made fun of it because I had the home of the homeless guy was the bit that I did all the time. And on one of the bits, I got attacked by a clown, and that's where the whole I will fucking stab you like soundbite came from. <laughs> Well, this is from uh, the National. And I love clowns. So, <laughs> Well, a lot of people don't like them. They think they freak them out. I know. That's why it's my favorite Halloween costume. But this is a headline. Killer clown sightings, global map 2016. It's a timeline mm-hmm. of the creepy phenomenon of threats, arrests, school closings, and false alarms. And according to this article, they were all over the U.S., there were also in, it looks like Australia and I think in Scotland. And there's just accounts. And uh, yeah, Melbourne, Australia, there was one in Edmonton, Nampa, Idaho, Houston, Phoenix, New Jersey. They were like all of a sudden all over the place. These clowns just showing up. And I don't think anybody ever got to the bottom of it. No, there, there was. Were they warning was- us of something? Yeah, and if I uh, that there was clowns coming to take over our government, um, I mean, I don't know what I don't. It was. Be, I don't think we ever needed to be warned about that. Mm-hmm. We're we're clowns because we vote them in. Jesus, yeah, but it's one of those you know really like looking at it. I mean, it was the clowns. I mean, I don't know if it was one of those things where it, sometimes you see it just kind of something catches on. It's like one person does it, and everyone's like, "That's funny. I want to try it." But I yeah, which is what weird. I think actually happened, but we don't know that. We can't prove it. It was weird, though, because they happened so quick. Usually it's one of those things where right. you can get like build. And this, there was no build. It was just all of a sudden, bam, there was clowns everywhere. It was on the news every night. New sighting, new clown. And there were videos of them. Yeah. You know, but we, and they were I, all over. I don't remember any of them. And I'd have to go back and look. But I don't remember any of them getting arrested or it being some sort of, I'll just say 4chan prank or some sort of you know Facebook prank where they had some clown group where they decided to. I don't remember any of that ever being exposed. No. I also found this article. This was in the Harvard Business Review. This was uh, six social media trends for uh, 2012 through 2016. I'm just going to lump them all together because I thought, well, this is what happened. Number one was this convergence emergence. It says, for a glimpse into how social will further integrate with, quote, real life, we look to what Coca-Cola did way back in 2010. Coke created an amusement park where they could swipe their RFID wristband at kiosk, which posted to their Facebook account. And as part of a marketing campaign, Domino's posted feedback, unfiltered feedback, and on and on and on. And so they're talking about this transmedia experience where that's going to define the social experience in years to come. And we see this. You go to, you go to like the airport, you go to concerts, you go to a festival or whatever, there's all kind of booths set up there. They'll take your photo. They'll instantly mm-hmm. put it, post it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Like, hey, I was at this place. Or look, I'm here at this place. And you don't even have to check in. It just does it for you. Yeah. A lot of that. The QR codes, you can use QR codes to do the same thing. that automatically do it for you. It's a, there's a lot of that. The other is the cult of influence. Now, remember, we're talking about 2012 to 2016. Mm-hmm. They were predicting the cult of influence, which has completely happened. Oh, yeah. It says the digital influence for business value, digital influence for celebrities, academics, policymakers who sway public opinion. And the cult of influence becomes less about consumer plays and more about the tools and techniques of professionals to, quote, score influence and actually harness scale and measure the result of it so everything became an algorithm basically yeah and and it's so true i mean there's so many things now it's like i watch one of my favorite shows right now is the boys which is a superheroes that what would really be like and on that one the whole thing is it's not about saving people and stuff like that it's like how many likes can they get how many followers can they get how are they trending on social media and it's like that's what our society's come to. It, it's not matter of how good of a person you are. How do you look on social media? How are you trending? Everything else. And that's exactly what they're talking about is coming. In 2012 to 16, I think a lot of 
what happened in 20 and what's happening now was set up between those years. Oh, absolutely. If you want an interesting video experience, go to the World Economic Forum, type in top videos from Davos 2016. This was January 23rd, 2016. Very first video, our good friend Justin Trudeau. And then there's uh, Sheryl Sandberg talking about parity, the International Monetary Fund, Christine Lagarde on the Global Economic Outlook, which is really shocking. This one I thought was interesting. This was the president of the Salk Institute for Biological Studies on the frustrations faced by scientists. And one of the big frustrations they were talking about in 2016 was how do we get people to comply? And he talked specifically about vaccines in there. Oh. That was interesting. Yeah, it just goes on and on. Kevin Spacey was there. He's talking on politics, storytelling, and virtual reality. I think they'd like to remove that one. Oh, yeah. He's, he's not on many people's list at the moment. Well, yeah. And let's see. What else did I find from 2016? Oh, I thought, I, so I thought I'd do this. 2016. Oh, no, this was 2012 World Economic Forum's annual meeting. And in the about category like what they were talking about. They were talking about the great transformation. There's a whole video about how they're going to transform the world. So I'm like, well, who's at this? Who, who's partnering with them on this? So I went over and I looked at, found their partner page. And I was going to go through some of the groups. Remember, 2012, most people were, had no clue what was going on at the World Economic Forum, didn't know who they were, had no idea what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Here's who was in 2012. This is who they were already partnered up with. And it's a long list, but I'm just going to go through some I think that are interesting. Adobe, Bank of America, Barclays, Chevron, Cisco, Citigroup, Coca-Cola, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, DuPont, GE, Goldman Sachs, Hewlett Packard. You've got uh, Volkswagen. You have... Uh, Qualcomm, PepsiCo, New York Stock Exchange, Nike, Nestle, NASDAQ, Morgan Stanley, Microsoft, Mitsubishi, Lenovo, JP Morgan Chase, Hawaii Technologies, which is the 5G network from China yeah. that's spying on everybody. That's in 2012. They're all part of this ground floor thing that was going on then. So Yes, something was off. Something behind the scenes was happening. Oh, yeah. Whether or not we shifted or not, they were laying the groundwork for the ultimate shift in 2020. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were getting it already. I think all of those, that's like, you know, everyone you mentioned there, I mean, they're all ones that were getting us ready for 2012. Like I said, it's one of those that you look at everything that happened in 2020 and is even happening today. Uh, most of that, the groundwork, everything else was started in 2012. Yeah. Now see if any of this sounds familiar. This is from December 5th, 2016. It's a blog on the Friends of Civil Society. It's called The Five Trends in Civil Society. See if any of this sounds familiar. Number one is protecting civic space. According to them, around the world, the freedom of citizens to protest, to mobilize, to speak out is being contested and restricted. According to this monitoring group, over 3.2 billion people now live in countries where civic space is repressed or closed with serious violations of civic space recorded in 109 countries. Governments cracking down on protests, brutally silencing dissent, intimidating and murdering human rights uh, defenders, lawyers, journalists, and it goes on. Again, this is 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, scaffolding democracy. The threats to democracy are not limited to authoritarian regimes. Deepening economic inequality is driving citizen-led disruption from the radical mass movements of Occupy to the kind of anti-establishment populism that fueled Trump's uh, presidency. It goes on to talk about Brexit. says, in 2017, we need to nurture these spaces online and offline that channel citizen voice and dissent in meaningful ways. Number three, build peace in an era of dis- of diffuse conflict, and it talks about these deeply embedded societies with conflict and how the governments are using that against the citizens. 
talks about in the 70s and 80s, the nuclear disarmament, anti-Vietnam War movements, kind of bringing that into the Occupy thing where they, they, they have no tolerance for any kind of outside voice. And then the last one is achieving a new deal for refugees and migrants. And he's talking about this coming, the, the coming absolute invasion of countries with these open border societies and how is that how things are going to change. Yeah. So that was written in 2016. So a lot of this stuff has played, like you said, right into the hand of today. It has. It's one of those things where a lot of these, and this is the hard part, where a lot of this stuff comes out and people are like, there's no way, this is stupid. These people are a bunch of quacks, everything else. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, what do you think now? Well, and I saved and this one. I, I saved this one for the last because this one blew my mind. This is in Forbes, December 22nd, 2016. This is the headline. Silicon Valley in 2016, a new world order begins to arise. It says, by all accounts, 2016 has been an extraordinary year for Silicon Valley. Not only have the technology behemoths mustered a growing influence on Capitol Hill, their sheer market capitalization also testifies to one undeniable fact. They are the ones who change the world. And then I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's Forbes magazine. You should definitely read this. It is all about Jeff Bezos, um, of course, how Microsoft, what they're launching. They call it the slowing of a ticking clock. And AI, how they're trying to put a soul in machines. And all, I mean, everything. Everything that we have talked about, I have never seen this. I had never seen this article before. I just ran across it. They call it the new IT world order. It says, there is one key theme emerging in 2016. It is the dismantling of the existing industrial order we are familiar with in the PC era. Here's what's so scary about this. If you read Klaus Schwab's book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, mm -hmm. it is almost, this is almost taken from the pages. This is their goal. And... The fact that Forbes is putting on Silicon Valley that they are going to shape the new world, that they're bringing in the new world order, that it's going to come through them, explains everything that's going on right now in cyberspace, on the mm -hmm. internet, with fake news, with deep fakes, with memes, with the news, all of it. AI, transhumanism, the whole thing. All of it coming straight out of Silicon Valley. Yeah, it is. And the, I mean, that's the future. I mean, it's one of those things that, I mean, right now, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff with the deep fakes that they can do, everything else, you don't know what you're really watching. Well, I had to put a warning out the other day because I got a couple of emails from people saying, hey, have you seen this new interview with Greta Thunberg where she supposedly says, you know, oh, she's she's woken up. There is no climate crisis. Uh, it's a radio interview, and she's talking. The whole thing's a fake. Some guy cleverly, and I mean really well done, put together this fake interview. Where and she, it sounds like she's saying, well, you know, there is no climate emergency, and everybody jumped on it and ran with it. Turns out it was completely deep fake. Yeah, all of Joe Biden's. <laughs> Press conferences from the, quote, White House are a deep fake. Well, I'm sure, yeah. Well, look, he's not even, he's on a stage. They built a stage for him mm -hmm. with stage lighting, big teleprompters. He's not even in the White House. No. I'm not saying what he's saying is deep fake, but he's not where they're pretending that he is. And all you got to do is watch the windows if you don't believe me, because the seasons change, the scenery changes, and he's supposedly in the same office. And and it's been, I mean, it's out there. It's no secret that, yeah. that that's what's going on. But so let's go back to this email as we wrap things up. I just want to point out a couple of things here. This emailer says, in my lifetime, I noticed a shift in society around 2012. I do believe, I will say a modern day shift did happen in 2012. There's no yes. doubt about it. He feels the social media was starting to get much more popular, in effect, change people's opinion and attitudes. By design, friend. Mm -hmm. Absolutely by design. Oh, definitely. 
Then he says, however, the change in 2012 felt subtle, and I think we addressed that. I believe it was intentional to be subtle, because if it was abrupt, and I believe that's been their mistake right now. I think a lot of people are waking up right now because they've overplayed their hand. In 2012, they did not overplay their hand. No, they did it very subtle, and it was one of those things. They used the media. They used everything else like they always do, and very subtly changed the what they were talking about everything like that 2016 happened again but just a little more forceful yes because here he says fast forward to 2016 i think another shift happened where political correctness general woke culture exploded out of nowhere it didn't actually explode out of nowhere it just bubbled to the surface it had been percolating and i will say this i do remember and i'm, I'm not talking about anybody's political view this is just a fact i remember waking up one day and our president at the time, Barack Obama, just no debate. Nobody was talking about it. What Nobody was even thinking about it. Just we woke up one day and he said, hey, you can go into any bathroom you want to. Guys can go into girls. Girls can go into guys. That's just how it's going to be. And it shocked everybody. It did. Caused all kinds of problems. It caused problems at the Y. It caused problems uh, on the public. I mean, nobody. It, came, there, it wasn't even an idea in anybody's head no but it caused a huge shift and a huge split which we've seen multiple times now where all of a sudden something insane like that is thrown out there which a lot of people sit there and argue that yes that if you go to europe that's kind of how it is in europe but there's it's a, there's a precedent it's, it's been set up it's been done to be to be that way where it's not here we're all used to a certain way and well, all of a sudden you're like oh hey shift where you can use any bathroom if you like most of the times in the United States, and I've talked about the Overton window many times, it's an Overton window thing where the Overton window, they open it as wide as they can and then everybody freaks out. And so, so you lower the window, but it never goes back down to where it actually was. Yep. And we've talked about that a few times, that whole idea of, hey, I'm going to go way out here so that when I back off a little bit, you're okay with it, even though if I'd gone to this but you've level gained before, ground. Yeah, if I'd gone to this level the first, to start with, you would have been like, oh, hell no. Right. And I think... Now it's a, it's, a, it's a middle ground. Yes. Yes, exactly. But I think 2016 and then obviously in 2020, we've blown the lid off that. That doesn't happen anymore. There's no public discourse. There's no back and forth. There's no gentleman no. or gentle person discussion to where we come to we either compromise or we we come to a vote where it's the people who vote no now it's all just both sides democrats republican all of them wait till we get in office we're going to undo everything you did and do what we want to do and then when the next time well wait till we get in we're going to undo everything you did and do everything we want to do and there's we've lost that and i yeah. do believe that was part of 2016 mm -hmm. i think in conclusion I will have to say, I thought this was an interesting exercise. It was a great email. I really enjoyed this. However, I do think that you could pick out any three or four random years throughout history and make comparisons. Yeah. I mean, even from like 1600 to 1800 to 1900 to the 2000, if you picked out random years, you could most likely, because history repeats itself, and they've been pushing for a one-world system, globalization, and all of that from the top throughout history. Sometimes it's a little quieter. Sometimes it's really loud. Right now, it's super loud. I mean, it's deafening. But 2012, they were still at, they were at this. They were working towards it. They were just much quieter about it. Yeah. And if you look back through history, we have like this fourth turning where when we get out of this whatever... Whatever we're heading into, and I truly fear it's not good, when we get out to the other side and a new contract, according to them, is, is made and there's, just, there's sort of this honeymoon period and it's a period of elation, we can't get there soon enough. But again, I don't know because not everybody's, not everybody's going to be happy. It's not utopia. It's just no. the side that one is super happy. They write the history and everybody yeah. just has to adapt. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's kind of what happens. And it's what's happened a lot. I mean, it's one of those things like what they want us to know and what they want us to remember is what we remember because that's what they give us.
We are taught what they want us to know. So if you want to know the real truth, go down the rabbit hole and look it up. 100%. Your final thoughts on... 2012, 2016, 2020. Do you, do you think there's something there or are we just reading into it? I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, there's something there. Something happened. There is a shift, but I'm not sure how much of a shift there really is. I mean, there, there's a shift. There definitely is. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind there's a shift. Not how much there really is, but what the cause is, what what we're shifting into. Right. Is this just the fourth turning going? Are we just turning into the fourth turning? Is that the shift? Um, is it a paradigm shift where the whole thought process of the, the, you know, pretty much the human race is changing? I mean, what is what is the shift and what is it going to? I don't think it's something good, honestly, but I think we I think we are in the middle of a shift. I agree. I think. Because it's in our lifetime, and obviously it's affecting us to, because we're living in it. Yes. Uh, but I can go back in history, pre and post World War II, I, the pre and post the Industrial Revolution, pre and post the Civil War, pre and post the Ottoman Empire, the Roman Empire. There's been really dark, really dark, disturbing, terrible times in human history. Yeah. And we just happen to be really blessed and lucky to have enjoyed and to kind of still enjoy America as it is because very famous author and historian once said that freedom is not the natural state of man. And throughout history, it hasn't been, but it has been for us. That's all we've known. Yeah. And so I think in a microcosm, this is really interesting. I do think that there are in the United States because that's another thing. We get really focused because we're here in the U.S. We get really focused on what's happening in those times right here. here. Yes. And yes, in the United States, I have to agree. Shifts happen. 12, 16, 20, no doubt about it. 20 was global. 20 was global. 12, 16, unless you want to make the argument of the Internet and Facebook and Twitter because that is global. What's the, what's the global one that Facebook owns? Um, uh, Meta? I don't remember. No, WeChat. Twitter. Oh, something weird like that, yeah. Yeah, so, yes, there have been change, but, but was it a change? Was it an advancement? Did, did it Was it an advancement that eventually, like, flipped and became terrible? Because that happens all the time. Unintended consequences. I think Mark Zuckerberg's evil. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I don't know what to make of Elon Musk. I think Jack Dorsey knew exactly what he was doing. And so, yeah, I think in the United States, in a bubble under a microscope, definitely things happen. On a global scale, I think really the, there were, I'm sure there were things at play. I'm sure our international listeners could probably point to things that along the way were significant shifts. But I think we all are in agreement that when 2020 hit, the pump had been primed on a global level and they, they hit the switch. And we're all still living in the aftermath, and some of us are still living in it. Yeah. People are still living and still dealing with it. And I think when you listen to my midweek podcast coming up, um, there's another email that I'm going to address. And I'm going to be talking a lot about these failed test cases for this um, World Economic Forum's Great Reset because there are countries that are in massive trouble that are falling by the wayside, that are coming unglued at the seams. And that's what they want for the world. And we're going to look into it, what they did there, why they did it, what they were hoping to achieve. And here's the thing. All these countries that are going down, that is their goal. That's yeah. what they're trying to achieve. And they're trying to bring it to Europe, the United States, because if they can get us to go down, especially the United States, it's over. And so we're going to go down that rabbit hole. And like I said, I have a really interesting email that I'm going to address on that as well. So I hope whoever wrote this email, I hope they enjoyed this discussion. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. At least it got you thinking. Think back. What were you doing in 12, 16, and 20? Did you see anything? Did you notice any pattern? Did you notice anything now that we are able to kind of look back? Because it's not that far back. We're, most of us were there. 
But when you're in it and you're, you know, when things are rolling along and you're doing your thing, a lot of times you don't notice this and you can go back in history and you can connect some dots. So that's what we tried to do here today. Uh, I hope it was an interesting exercise for you. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was. It was very interesting. It's one that I, I've kind of noticed the shift before, but never really looked into it. So, I mean, it was a really fun one to look into. All right. Well, email us at downtherh at protonmail.com if you have uh, questions, comments, suggestions for topics. And in the meantime, I'll be your midweek host on Wednesday. Yep. And uh, next week, we'll be back with uh, another topic before we jump back into the Illuminati families. Until then, I'm Big D. And I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.